From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Venus Williams is the executive director of Alice's Garden and its visionary leader. Alice's Garden, located on the north side of Milwaukee, provides models of regenerative farming, community cultural development, and economic agricultural enterprises for the global landscape. Venus calls herself a cultural and spiritual midwife, strongly believing she was put in creation to help bring forth all that is good and whole in people and places. She has been doing just that in Milwaukee for the past 31 years. We are excited to have on our In Her Booth podcast today as part of our series on women and cultivating resilience, the mighty Venus Williams of Alice's Garden in Milwaukee. Thank you so much, Venus, for joining us and for sharing your story. And I'd love to start off with the more broader question of how do you define resilience? What is that for you? Well, when I think about resilience, um, there's no way that I cannot reflect on my ancestral heritage that is all about resilience. Whether I'm looking at my African descent roots um, as an African-American in this country, um, whether I'm looking at my very strong Choctaw roots, um, both of those ancestral lines define resilience in spite of all that was done and even continues to be done, I am still here as a woman farming land, land and food and soil that was really used to dehumanize us instead of rejecting that, instead of eliminating us totally. Here I am, 2020, cultivating soil and, and food and herbs And so that within itself, my ancestral legacy is my definition of resilience in spite of all that was attempted to erase me and my people and our humanity. Here I am with my hands in the soil. That's amazing. And you've been at Alice's Garden now for, I mean, it's your baby, right? I mean, it's been, it's been years now. What, what drew you to that work in the first place of, bringing people together in a farm setting? Well, I came to Alice's Garden Urban Farm in the early 2000s at the invitation of my life partner, um, Demetrius Brown, who was at that time the 4-H educator, the 4-H agent at Milwaukee Cooperative Extension. So he was doing garden, community garden work there. I was running a nonprofit called Seed Folks Youth Ministry. And the quote um, is exactly, he asked me to come and work my magic. Mm. 
and the rest, I think, is history. Um, I thought I would just come and help him out a little bit. And here I am as its first um, executive director. And I've been just so blessed to be able to cultivate community and food um, right here in Milwaukee. And how do you see that connection between community and food and creating what you have at Alice's Garden of a very welcoming space to all people? How do those things connect for you? Why are they important? Well, I like to say that we use gardening as the carrot, pun intended, to get people to come through the gates to impact their entire quality of life. So growing food is at the base of it. It's the foundation of what we do, but it's so much more. Um, It's about generating a hopeful, healthy urban context and urban folks and urban families. So being able to use food because everybody has to eat. Um, I would love for everyone to be able to grow at least one thing that they eat. Having this outdoor oasis to invite people into to engage all of the, the health components of their, of their life journey, whether we're talking um, physical nourishment, spiritual nourishment, um, what it means to, to actually cultivate food is just, it's nothing but a gift for me to be able to do that. And what are some of the components, the ways you create that welcoming space there when somebody comes through your gate the first time? What are ways to, that we can all better connect people to our farms and our land? Well, we always say when you come through the gate, I'm always saying to you, welcome home. And when I'm saying welcome home, I'm talking about welcome back home to what it means to celebrate and honor and to be in union with the land. What it means to understand that no matter where you are, um, even in this urban context that has so many negative connotations, here is a place of peace and, and growth. Here is a, p- a place where you can explore um, so many different parts of you. During this pandemic, the worst thing um, for me is I am not able to hug everybody who comes through that gate. But literally, that physical embrace has been part of my personal welcome to Alice's Garden. When people walk into this this farm space, I can see their shoulders relax. I can see them take deep breaths that they do not normally take. So being able to, with many, 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 many partners and collaborators to, to be able to take this piece of land that has been around, obviously the land has been around for forever, but the garden itself has been around since 1972. And so to be able to, with partners, refashion it literally into um, a visual place of welcome um, has been one of those blessings for the city of Milwaukee. Oh, that's great. And there's there's so many things we could talk about. I wanted to, on that theme we started with of resilience, bringing it to mindfulness, which is clearly a, a theme of yours in your work and making sure that people are conscious of where they are and connected and involved. But how do you see the connection between mindfulness and presence with growing food? Well, by profession, I am a Lutheran lay minister. 
So I came into the city um, in 1989 as a director of youth ministry um, for a congregation and for a group of congregations. So food and spirituality and fully being present in that sharing of a meal and, and being very aware of all of the many ways that soil is alive and all of the many ways that um, I speak with and talk to. Yes, I talk to the things that I grow and to my seeds before I plant them. Every single thing that we do at Alice's Garden Urban Farm is done with intention. So when we were rehabbing Alice's Garden under the leadership of the Center for Resilient Cities, and I knew that I wanted a labyrinth. I wanted a meditation space in this garden. At the time, I didn't have the funding for it. But I asked them, the, the folks who were in charge, to leave that, leave this corner vacant, <laughs> leave this open, because we will put in uh, an, an herbal labyrinth, a living labyrinth, to help people on their life journey. So intention and mindfulness, not only to what we grow and even where our, our rental gardeners, our rental garden section, how I place people next to one another um, so that they can cultivate their own stories together and share their journeys together. Every single piece of that land is about being mindful of the responsibility that I personally have to connect people to people, to connect people um, to other parts of creation that I think we take for granted, air and water and insects um, and, and all of that. So I just wake up every morning during the growing season and I have to tell myself, you will not be able to do every single thing you want to do today at Alice's Garden Urban Farm. So be mindful even in that of of what you're able to accomplish in this in this one day. Oh, that's such a good perspective, Venus, that we all, I'm laughing because I need a dose of that. And especially for us women farmers in the peak of the season, we get caught up in those lists, right? And those things we feel we need to do and we miss that. Why do you feel sometimes being mindful of the farming work we do is a challenge for women? Because along with farming, we're still doing everything else. <laughs> so oh, when yeah, that. Um, we're farming, we're still, yeah, oh yeah, that thing. Um, we're still thinking about the other list that is not related to our farming responsibilities. So we're thinking about our families and the dishes and the laundry and the shopping um, and the relationships outside of this land that we need to also be nurturing and nourishing. So when it comes to, to food, and, and I think by nature, as women, we want to nourish people and, and to be able to do that as a farmer through growing food, um, we get excited. I don't know about you, but I always add something new to grow and I always um, purchase or save way more seeds than I'm able to put into the ground. <laughs> oh, but yeah. That just reminds me, sometimes I have to be reminded that there is going to be another season and there is going to be another time frame um, and you don't have to do it all at once. I think we're just hopeful as women. We're just hopeful in, in all that we are able to do. And in any of us, you see my voice is getting elevated. Um, 
So anytime that we can not only cultivate soil and grow food and bring it to market or feed families, there's that. But when you're able to invite people into your own passion, I have not met a woman farmer who is not passionate about her, about, you know, about her work. And it's not a job. You know, I don't, we, we're not going to a job. We're going to a vocation. Farming is a vocation and it's a vocation that renews me every single day. So it strengthens us. It excites us. We, we give ourselves way more tasks than we can ever accomplish in one season, um, which makes us eager for the next thing. Oh, that makes so much sense. And keeping that in perspective, I love how you talk about <laughs> we're never going to plant all the seeds we have in one year. There's always something in the future to work towards. And we forget that. We do, especially when things get get busy. Are there any, you had mentioned uh, in the morning, you tell yourself that you're not going to be able to do everything on your list and to be mindful. Are there other personal rituals like that that you'd be willing to share, Venus, about how you cultivate mindfulness in your work? Without a doubt. I smudge every single morning. So every single morning when I wake up, well, let's even go back before that. Before my feet even hit the wooden floors of our bedroom, um, there's one question that I ask, and that is of my ancestors. I ask, what do you require of me this day? So I have this ancestral conversation every single morning. Sometimes I already have received that answer in my dreams, right? I have lots of, of um, I do so much in my, in my sleep even that sleeping is not always restful. But before I even um, exit my bed, I have already asked my ancestors what is required of me today. Then I, I light my sage or my lavender or my eucalyptus or my rue. Um, so I invite the plant material to help me to, to focus, to calm, to cleanse. There's just something about the power of the original incense. I remind people that fresh herbs and fresh plant material is the original incense, and then we put it on a stick. I'm always, always praying, even when my eyes are wide open and I'm having conversations with other folks, I'm always praying. So those, those three pieces really ground me. Um, the other thing that grounds me is I read a psalm every morning. Sometimes I just open my Bible and just let the psalm find me. <laughs> or sometimes I am seeking a particular psalm. And if it's not a psalm, it's a poem. I read a lot of poetry every day. And I do all of that before I go to Alice's Garden. So you're ready and prepared and your cup is already full. Can you circle back for a second on smudging and define what that is? Because I'm not sure we all know of like that, that process. Tell us a little bit more about the why and the how you do that. So smudging is taking dried plant material. Most people recognize it as a sacred native ritual. It's taking dried plant material, 
Most people use sage. I use many, many, many different herbs and spices. Lighting them, blowing on them um, so that the flame is no longer there, but the the smoke that arises then is a is a moment of cleansing and purification. It's not just a purification of the air, but it's also a purification um, and a grounding of your personal energy. So smudging helps focus me. It the, Even when I'm watching the smoke, I'm not always standing in front of what I'm using to smudge, but when I do, there's just a beauty and a calmness in watching this the the smoke from the lavender go and and spread itself out and do what it needs to do. And it reminds me, and it's a gentle, you know, it's not like a bonfire, right? Mm. It's a gentle rising that reminds me of the how even though I am clear that I am a strong, forceful um, woman, there is power in gentleness. And that's part of what I have to be reminded of every single day. Oh, that's great. And let's talk a little bit more because I know it's a big part of your your work at Heart and Soul on the herbal side is how can we women farmers tap into herbal things, period, to help build our resilience, either practical tips of specific things to explore, but especially for someone like myself, who's who's just, I've always been interested in herbs and have, you know, dabbled, but I haven't embraced it to the point that I feel like it's in my, my resilience toolbox, if you will. And what would be some ideas? Well, we're going to have to work on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I did not have a relationship with herbs. I don't know who I would be if I did not engage herbs in so many ways on a daily basis. A couple of years ago, my then 98-year-old grandmother, um, now she'll be 101 in a few months, um, came to visit. And when she walked into my kitchen, the the first time and every day after that, she had a little bit of dementia going on at that time. Now it's there. But she would walk into my kitchen where there are herbs drying all over the place and there are dozens of herbs in jars. And she would walk into the entryway and she would say, Mama's Kitchen, talking about her mother's kitchen, uh, my Choctaw great-grandmother, Nellie Hoots. And then she would say, No, Venus's Kitchen. And that really speaks to where um, my relationship with not just herbs, but plants in general came from. All of my um, grandmothers, I had said it like I had 30 of them, both of my grandmothers, my great grandmother, my mother, everyone in our family has always grown food. That's just what part of what we do. I came to herbs. Well, I always like to say that the ancestors sent the herbs to find me. Um, the ancestors recognized that with my pace of life and with my sometimes superhero cape on, um, we need to find, we need to send this girl some things that are going to be able to sustain this life that she's claiming. And herbs sustain me. So whether I am at this very moment, as you and I are speaking, 
I have some roux and sage brewing in a double boiler for a roux sage cream. I have both banana mint and spearmint um, dehydrating in my oven. I have a cup of hibiscus and cinnamon and yarrow and sage and rosehip tea um, in front of me. I have already done my smudging. When we are finished, I will switch out um, the cup of tea that I have now for a cup of immune boost tea. Um, Before I went to bed, I took a bath in chamomile and lavender. And when I got out of that bath, I rubbed on um, a salve that I make um, that had eucalyptus and um, marjoram and all these other things. So I am a walking herb. That's what I like to tell people. I am this culmination of all of this herbal goodness and magic. And for me at, um, you know, soon to be 59, I just don't know what I would do without herbs on my life journey. Um, I also, you know, so as I'm cultivating these 60 different herbs, both here at my homestead and at Alice's Garden Urban Farm, I'm always wanting to grow more. Like pretty soon there will be, if if I could get rid of all the grass in my life, that would just be wonderful. (laughs) But herbs are just, you know, I want to say that they're just magical. They're powerful. They do so much for us when we don't even know they're working in our lives. And so much of the, the, the Western medicine, Western medicine is mimicking or attempting to mimic the herbs that come out of the earth. Um, The difference is the herbs that come out of the earth are so much more replenishing as they help to heal us. Oh, that's so inspiring. And you're, you're reminding me of probably the wrong approach I'd been taking sometimes with herbs is things to solve problems. Do you know you have this, or I have allergies or a pain here or that, and oh, let's see if there's a herb to help with that. But you really describe it like a lifestyle and not a cure, but a holistic way of, again, building your your resilience. So did you learn a lot of this from your grandmother then? Your, where did your roots come from? You know, I really did not learn it. Right. I don't, I didn't learn. I didn't, it wasn't a direct learning. Um, I didn't know. And this happens for us very often in life. You don't know what you're absorbing. (laughs) You know, you don't know what you're taking in. So no, no one in my family ever sat me down at a table at any point in my life and said, this is for that. And this is how you grow this. When it comes to herbs, when it comes to vegetables, yes. Um, This is what this um, herb can do. But again, back to my my grandmother, when she walked into the kitchen and she would point, I remember particularly this was at, because she came to spend um, a Thanksgiving. And so she came a couple of weeks earlier. So I was drying, you know, you know how it is into the season, whatever you have, you're trying to make the most of your entire harvest and get everything processed. But I remember particularly um, she was looking at the the red raspberry leaves that I was drying. And she was like, oh, that's the stuff that mama used to send me up into the woods to get um, for when my cycle was bad, you know? And so 
her grandmother, her mother, my great grandmother had these things drying also. And I would see them, but you know, there was just no direct learning from them. Part of it came from, I love to cook, (laughs) you know, so first it was culinary and then it came from my skin wanting to find healthy things for my skin and for my family. And our daughter Sojourner really was the one who nudged me even further as she was researching something. And she's like, mommy, you grow so much of this stuff. You should do more with it. And again, the rest is history. So I have, we have this Alice's Garden herbal line, Alice's Garden Urban Pharmacy with an F. I have, I think, the only herbal CSA in the state, and there are very few nationally. So it's not just important for me to cultivate herbs for myself and for my family, or just to to sell them at the markets. I am able in my role at Alice's Garden and in the universe to introduce and to collaborate and to welcome people on an herbal journey in ways that I had never imagined. I have an herbal apprentice program that has about 65 active participants. And we gather on Mondays at Alice's Garden and it's a communal learning. I am the gatherer, but I am in no way the only teacher or leader in this, in no way. Um, And so herbs have just taken over not just my life, but our home. So I'm glad we're not doing a video because there's stuff everywhere. Oh, hey, it's the abundant time. That's really inspiring. The um, Tell me more about the herbal CSA. So folks receive weekly batches of herbs in season, both culinary and medicinal, sounds like? Well, and so they... They receive their, you can do a half share or a full share, and it's every other week because you just don't need them every week because I give you enough. I give you enough um, every other week. And there's, you know, you said both culinary and medicinal, and there is no separation. Yeah. Um, Culinary is medicinal, and medicinal herbs are also culinary herbs. So those same things, so I, I talked, you know, I shared with you, about the sage that, you know, we cook with sage. Well, sage is one of the things, again, combined with that rue that I use for my skin on a daily basis. And that's the beauty of, of herbs. So people get bundles of herbs and the number of bundles depend and depend upon the time of year and what's in season. And they get a bit overwhelmed by the beginning of August because it's like, here, just take all this stuff. And then they also receive, depending upon whether it's a full share or a half share, one or two of the herbal products that I create. So you get fresh herbs, um, you get the herbal product, and you get an email um, that accompanies your, your share for that particular week that has tons of recipes and how-tos and fun links with it. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you again so much. This has been great. Uh, to, to wrap us up, I wanted to maybe look big picture again and with some of that magic of you really do so much with being a bridge builder in your work of bringing different people together through the garden and other that what would you like to see? What advice would you give or what 
vision would you want for us as a women farmer community to build more bridges? And they could be, you know, bridges between rural and urban women farmers and bridges between different community. And how can we foster more of that in our work like you do? Indeed. Um, I am blessed to be part of rural urban flow. Um, It's Milwaukee County and Sauk County. And that's a beginning place for me to have the relationship with other women who are farming in the Sauk County area. But I think that again, and this comes back to who we are as women in general, our lives are so abundant. I don't say busy because it's not busy work and it's not busyness, it's abundance. And I think we as women, not to diminish the role of men, but I think we do a better job of holding that abundance. What we're not always good at is taking the time amongst ourselves to have conversations about that abundance or to vent about that abundance. So what I would love to see, I would love to see us cross these bridges literally and feed each, literally feed each other more and come to tables more and have simple conversations. It doesn't have to be elaborate or anything like that. I just want to sit at table with more women farmers. I want to come weed with you or sow seeds with you. Even though I have my own work to do, there is something incredibly inspiring and and holistic that happens when I am able to put a seed in the ground on your land and you on my land. And then when I come back home and you go back home, um, that alone connects us. So I want to, I just want to be at table more. I want to be fed by more women farmers. Um, I want to be in the presence of more women who understand and who have always cultivated soil and people and goodness. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Venus, for your, your, your true magic and for sharing that with us. And uh, onward we go together. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.